Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 46. In this episode, my friends and I talk a little bit about eschatology, that is the uh, study of the last things and what the scripture has to say about them. I talk about my recent forays into the world of postmillennialism. We talk about the difference between biblical theology and whatever it is that uh, a lot of churches are prone to doing today. And then we also talk a little bit about Israel and uh, how it relates to the church or to the scriptures, if at all, today. So if that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Hey, hello. Hi. You've been planning that for a week. Last time I said good night, he said now people know we can do it at night. So now people know it's not currently morning. Oh, good afternoon. All right. It is technically Good day. Because it is a day. Mm hmm. So, what's the line from the Truman Show? It's like, and if I don't see you, good good afternoon, good good evening, and good good night. night. Yeah. It's Um, such a wholesome line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. It's not a very wholesome movie, kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Fills you with psychological disorders. So back in February, uh, so we went to our friend's wedding. Um, and like before, before, after the wedding, it was about a week after the wedding, I had a dream that uh, with a good, one of our good friends was going to um, get a boyfriend. So I, so I messaged her, I was like, hey, like, I had a dream that you're going to get a boyfriend. And it's me. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a pickup line. That's some, me. That's some game right there. And I told her, like, I bet you, Dino, that you are going to find a boyfriend at the end of the year. And she's like, 11 months? Yeah. <laughs> never, yeah, 11 months. Yeah. Well, if no, you knew who it was, though. Yeah, you, you, you would be, no, I'm yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but, Do you know who it is? Yeah. 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 And trust is someone me. I know? Yeah. 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 And trust me, you would be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She... I'm trying to give it away to you. They were pissed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 So, so you know that's gotta. <laughs> okay. So, so you bet her dinner. That yeah. Okay. She'll be. She's like, no, no, that's not gonna happen. Blah blah. Okay. So, so then, if, if you lost, if, if I you lost, were wrong, um, according to I would buy her dinner. You'd have to get you get to oh. take her out on, on a, a date. date. Yeah, I was literally. It's <laughs> just a long con. It's like if you're still single at the end oh, of the year. I didn't think about that. Actually. Yeah. I get to take. Yeah, and then that's perfect because then she's eleven months single and she is desperate. She's. <laughs> Might be desperate enough to go on a date with you. So then, um, <laughs> David, you're a good-looking man. We we were at <laughs> you at me, Eric, and Sam were at Denny's, and and Austin was at Denny's too. There, and so we were we were talking about relationships and stuff. And I, and I looked at Eric. Mm-hmm. I I didn't do this with Sam because I did this with Eric. But I looked at Eric. Eric, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find someone before. Uh, this year is over. And they're like, How long ago was this? This was what, March. <laughs> so ten months. Yeah, but uh, but but think about history though. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about like you like like oh, every, everyone everyone everyone's had their dad. Everyone Wait, like all of them were he, like, no, this song is it's not. Everyone's gonna, you're gonna go on a date or you're gonna have a no, girlfriend. You're, you're just you're gonna find someone. See, this is what I want to figure. Find out. What time someone, frame? Did like, you find someone to date. Like, find you find yeah. that full Because he's trying to just say because I went on a date. Boom! But I'm like, found someone means okay. more like I, I, I'm, I know that I'm. Gonna... Okay. Wait, when you well, said that, what time like, when was your last you date, or when was the last time we had a serious girlfriend? Before the next like, deal. Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah, okay. Nah, it's rare, so rare instances. So, I quote. Um, so Eric is like, 
Well, you know, that's not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that might happen, but it's like, oh, it's not going to happen. Blah, blah. You because, said that? Yeah, you said you it's said not going to happen? It didn't seem like it was going to happen. Well, you said like, well, congratulations. If it well, happens, to be said... honest, we even had this conversation two weeks ago. And yeah. I was like, man, I can't wait for you to Yeah, he said this two dinner. weeks ago. It's like, it's almost uh, a year old. You're going to buy me dinner. <laughs> I, told like, I can't him, wait for our date, dude. And, and I told him, like, just wait. Like, it's, the year's not over yet. And boom. Then, yeah, wow. Then started December. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm yes. not allowed to say what day it is. December 20th. Yeah, so it's. I so I'm thinking, was. like, wow. Then Eric's like, why, why couldn't you have done this, like, years ago? <laughs> Guys, I. Uh, no, I think this you... might be prophetic because I look at David, I just see a light around him. <laughs> like, so, he bathes in light, guys. So, I next deal. Like a, a whitish. Oh, no. So next, so, next deal, I'm not going to do it to Sam. I decided I'm not going to do it to Sam. I'm going to do it to myself. Because, uh, it's good <laughs> You're going to make a. I'm going to look in the mirror. Yourself. Yeah, I'm going to make my belt. Like, just do it to Daniel. I don't do it to Daniel find... right now. What well, has to be? Has yeah, to I would love it. to it find someone the next two years. No, the next week. <laughs> no, the next ten days, eleven days. <laughs> no, like, like he said, the timer like, before the like this next year. Like yeah, he gives himself months. a year. Yeah, but hey, if it works, lo- yeah. it's worth it. I because how much do you charge? There's only because, a fifty fifty <laughs> chance. No, because like uh oh, you don't you don't lose. Because I you either give me dinner this. or get a girlfriend, but you pay me dinner. Wait, and you're still happy. Oh, so who has to buy you dinner? If you if, so I would if you get a girlfriend, have you have to pay. But for you see, his girlfriend. I didn't say girlfriend. I said if you find somebody. Well, so you, you mean like in the bushes? But... I could have found somebody, <laughs> and then we would have. Like you found some body. Yeah, I found his body. Daniel uncovers like a murder victim. It's like yeah. it's the beginning of a Law and Order episode. <laughs> <laughs> he just stumbles upon. I was so, bum. So I'm choosing Eric. You can. Choose, he just has to buy me Denny's. I'm a nice friend. <laughs> I still know if this fits your your little bet. Eric, but... I would say like just oblige him. I will. Yeah. <laughs> using because, his m- mystical powers. Because like, and this is not the only thing that's happened before. Because I, I bet there's yeah, another thing go, guys, I predicted about Austin, and it happened. What? Just really weird. He shaved his head. <clears throat> no, it's something about his job, like him getting a new job. And remember, Denny's? Yeah. No, I oh my gosh, guys, oh, I'm not yeah. a cessationist anymore. Dude, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when it comes to this like, better example relationships i'm not gonna do it to sam just because i'm selfish see it switched because before it was a prophecy I which is never something that's given to us now specific. it's like a superpower where you're just pointing at people it's yeah like, he, boom he, maybe boom. he's, he's, running, he's running, running the algorithm yeah guys. wait do miguel now bet him a dinner that he'll have a fourth child oh <laughs> that would be hilarious that would be crazy. That would be I would, so but I know. I just something. I just have to like. <laughs> I would kick David in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> no children for you. <laughs> I just have now to you have something. to take this one. Of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm just happy. I'm gonna get two dinners, Suzette. <laughs> no. Come so, on, man. Someone's Nobody gonna buy really me, yeah. knows. Someone's gonna buy me I'll dinner. I won't. Someone's gonna buy me dinner. <laughs> 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 you know how to do that? It's like Eric the other week with Sam. You I did it like three stupid. times. Yeah. What happened? You just kept doing it. Well, it's like I'm talking Sam. with my friends about, about a friend. my friend that will remain nameless. And then he said the it, name like three times. I might be wrong, but didn't at one point we say the, like, the other name that we were using a fake name? You're like, who? Uh, <laughs> I might have. Even better. Maybe I'm misremembering. I'm, I'm not oh, good Bob. at that. I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get two diddles at the end of the year. Who's getting so dinner? <laughs> no, I'm going to get three diddles. I need three diddles. Name them by name. Wait. Wait, me? You yeah. just pointed at all of us. There's you can more say my three name, people, people in the room. Yeah. Wait, why am I going to buy you uh, dinner? My Christmas gift. Oh, yeah, for a Christmas gift. Yeah. 
taking oh. you out to a restaurant. I think it's what they call them. Yeah. What Papa restaurant? John's. Papa John's. I love Papa John's. Taking him out to Papa John's. <laughs> Ooh, I'll be okay with. It. I'm okay with any food. Like you just buy me food, I'm like. It's strange. It's ironic. You're okay with eat. You're okay with anything. Uh, if I mean, I'm really grateful with people buy me food. I'm like, what's, what's your least favorite uh, cuisine type of food? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there's some things I don't mm. like, but cuisine, I don't know. Well, like yeah, like like you don't like. I don't like American, American food. You I don't like, American like food. Chinese food. Like Chinese you don't food. like Mexican food. I like like Mexican. what? Thai, I like, Indian. I like it all, to be honest. It's nothing. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm saying that. least favorite. Maybe American, just because I've eaten really? a lot. Oh, you don't yeah. like burgers? I know, I'm not, I'm, I know, I know, I'm not a big fan of barbecue. I don't like barbecue, barbecue sauce. Barbecue. Mm, that's fair. I get that. I'm not. A big I fan like of barbecue, barbecue but I yeah. get that it's not for everybody. Yeah. Like Sugar it. and meat. Yeah. I think once you start exploring the different types of barbecue sauces, nope. too, like or you do like the not all barbecue has sauces. Yeah, rub. Really? No <clears> rub. Yeah, or you do smoke. Oh, I like smoke. Like smoke, smoke is good. Yes, yeah, I love biscuit. I love mm, Travis makes some good biscuit. Travis makes some pretty good biscuit. <laughs> you know what's my it's, secret? What? Salt and pepper. You guys haven't had um, <laughs> like uh, a little uh, spice combo. I came on. I just got. I no okay. No, it's a funny story. I never had. I'm taking you on the day when it's four dollars for the two. So I never had Caesar's pizza. What? Um, it was the day. Okay, so I remember this day really well because Travis and Nicole had friends over that day. Uh, they were eating, and so Sam was like, "I'm really hungry." So he calls Eric, and says, "Hey, want to go get food?" Um, Eric was like, "Yeah." He just got back from a trip doing like construction stuff. <laughs> Did you air quote construction stuff? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, <laughs> we get out. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so they take so like awesome. um, same knocks on the door. Like, hey, we're going to Cece's Pizza. I'm like, I've never been to Cece's Pizza, but whole like some pizza, bad things Cece's about it. just because mm. Cece's Pizza, like, all you can eat pizza. That's the same feeling. But I decided to go. So we went over there. I was you, really... you prefer limited pizza. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it needs to be in a box, and that's all that it needs to be so, rationed out. So we go over there. And like the first thing I noticed is like these two people like were walking there like yelling at each other. I'm like, okay, well this is gonna be great. So the pizza, pizza was not that great, over it. but like it was edible. But there was a pizza I really liked. It was a macaroni <coughs> and cheese pizza actually. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was so good. Their like, buffalo man. chicken's pretty good too. And the brownie with the, the like brownie's white the best. Thingy? And the cinnamon roll's also amazing. That was pretty good. But. Wait, like, I thought you said you had never been to one before. No, no, I had never been. I never, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I was... I'm still waiting for the funny part of the story. No, the funny part is like, so like, I got, so it's, I got a little bit of pizza. You can see Sam, he's like stacking that plate up with pizza. You got to. It's I'm a buffet! Like, so you I'm thinking, as much as you want. So you I'm thinking, and Sam is kind of like, he's like, oh, it's not great pizza, but it's better like than Little Caesars. And I love Little Caesars. So I'm like, okay, Ooh. it's going to be a pretty good pizza. Hungry Howie. Um, never had a hungry Howie's. But anyway, so we go over there, right and now. yeah, I was just so disappointed. Mm. But the funny part was, it was just two people yelling at each other. Oh, so we already had shot past the funny <laughs> part. <laughs> we just had forgotten to laugh. <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, order your, a hungry your, Howie's uh, pizza, David. You'll, it'll change your life right you now. You should do your own podcast There's telling a, your funny stories. <laughs> There's a hungry I've never had a hungry Howie's. But I like, I love it. Change, change that. You have the power in your hand to change that, David. But this one, is there one nearby? Yeah, they build it. One nearby, yeah. Is there a season system in there too? It's on uh, uh, 192 just past, or sorry, uh, John Young I always just forget on what 
because we're like yeah. kind of centered. Maybe Seasonal Snow has a stuff crust. Not really centered one right too, but it's just in the same company. Mm-hmm. That's a stuff crust now. Cool. Yeah, cool, that's cool, a new cool. thing, stuff crust. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Eric said cool like a dad listening to like his four year old tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that is kind of what this is. <laughs> Just like as the kids like and and, and and we went out this way. Cool, cool, cool kid. That's great. I told it. I feel like way to I go, Tiger. People, <laughs> I think people would just like. I think people would like pay for me to be a comedian. <laughs> all, all people just do like just sit down and just hear me talk about stories. About like pay, what happened. Like they I think pay you stop, maybe, but... mm. You don't think that's, people listen? That's I think they would just pay earned. you to make out. Dep- uh, you know, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think it depends on how polite the city is and how good of a marketing team you have. Yeah. Wow. I disagree. <laughs> wait, 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 keep the glasses. I don't know. Interesting. We don't like when you can see Ed said, Ed said I could be a good comedian. <clears throat> <laughs> Maybe if you, know. like, worked on it for no, what? 10, it was, 15 uh, years. After I said we watched Joe. <laughs> you know what, David? Uh, I think you could be a good comedian if you worked at it by the end of next year. Ooh! <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're not, not <laughs> man Omo makes a good comedian good no. just gotta talk about I think there's like a lot of humor yeah is involved yeah like funniness <laughs> I think I could be a ventriloquist <laughs> the ventriloquist cool. don't fall under <laughs> don't fall under the category of comedian they don't that is know. correct <laughs> that is 100% correct Wait, the chillicas are the ones with the Muppets or the <laughs> thingies? Like no, the, the, the puppets. Like, no, the Muppets. I like that you aspired to do it and didn't know what the thing was. <laughs> I think I could be this. What is it? Wait, it's, it's the Muppets or the thingies? These no, it's, it's the Muppets. No, you need Kermit and you need uh, But those Gonzo. are those, All of that is puppets. Ventriloquist is like you have that guy on your lap. Oh, the, the word he's looking for is marionette. But what, what yeah. is this yeah, thing? That, that's it's called Mar- a marionette. Pinocchio. Is that? And, no, but what's that called? It's called it's a marionette. But in those in those scenarios, the person is not seen. A ventriloquist, the dummy, and the person are both seen at once. That's the difference. Ah, that's I why understand. a ventriloquist has to throw their voice. I can mm. throw my voice pretty well, I think. <coughs> I thought you were going to do it. Thought you were <laughs> it sounded like the cough came from your hand. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> actually, no you don't need, don't need a dummy. You could just use your hand, actually. Yeah, in, in theory. Yeah, but it works a little better when you put some effort into it. Yeah. <laughs> so could I, what like... Are we, what are we maybe that's today? it. Maybe maybe David just that's becomes the lowest not, effort not ventriloquist <laughs> ever. He's just, and then he's not even trying, just puppet hand and then talking. <laughs> he's like, hello, hello, my name is Hand. <laughs> that translated so poorly for a podcast. I was just, I was just picturing him sitting. Oh, down. that's all right. Most of this is getting cut. Yeah, I was just picturing him sitting down, going, "You and the audience right there are gonna get married in ten months." <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a prophetic Wait, wait. Would this work as a ventriloquist if I like had Sam and tells him to just shut up and just move his mouth? Could I? Would that work? Yeah, you, have to throw your, you have to throw if your you coordinate it, yeah. 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 Ooh. yeah. You still have to put your hand somewhere in him. I could do that. And your mouth has to not move while mm-hmm. you're speaking. We have a topic, right? Mm-hmm. What's our topic? We don't... Yes. It's the topic to end all topics. Because it's the what end. What is it? Oh. What is the end? Friendship? The time oh. The power <clears throat> of friendship. Ooh, Wait, so was there not an agreed? No, yeah, that the what, what <clears throat> you're talking about. We're gonna talk about the study. 
of the end of it all. Oof. Okay. Kind of a little bit. Most of these are going to talk about Christmas. Oh, we're going to talk about Christmas? And how Christmas is so much better when you're post-millennial. Is it? That's... Did I already talk about this on the podcast? Christmas oh, no. is better when you're post-millennial? Christmas is... Like, this is my first Christmas as a post-mill. And, like... <laughs> and it's life-changing. It is life so much better. So we went to, um... We went to Epcot to a few weekends ago. And it was, like, you know, all these people. And it's, like, come on, virtually guaranteed most of these people are not believers. Even the people... It's the, the candlelight choir. Cool. You know, most of these people are not believers. Probably even in the choir, but definitely Absolutely out in the... Absolutely in the choir. But also, like, out in the... Uh, audience and they're singing these songs about like how the king of the world has arrived and has established his dominion and so you get these songs like uh like oh holy night and it's like fall on your knees mortals because of the 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 gravity of what happened on this night and then uh you get um what is it hondel's messiah the hallelujah chorus Mm -hmm where they're saying, like, the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. And even, like, the, the songs that you hear played, like, in Walmart or just, you know, out in Disney Springs, it's like you have joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, and he rules the world with truth and grace. And just, like, all these, like, I, I feel, I mean, you know, you can you can appreciate those things even, you know, if you're, not post mill, but I feel like there's a I feel like richness. Trying to, to say wrong. <laughs> yeah. The, well, no. There's a. I feel like there's a richness to it where it's like, huh? I actually believe that the kingdom has come and like is being established right now. And I get that. You know, you you also kind of believe that depending on what kind of amil you are. Um, but I mean, the main thing is, I'm like, there's a sense of optimism you know, about the direction that the world is heading with post-millennialism. Mm. And so I feel good about that. Mm. And Christmas feels pretty neat. Right. For the dumb people, not dumb people, I don't know. What is post post that Marionette. <laughs> yeah. Post-marionette. No. Post-marionette. The more we reference that, the period of darkness in this podcast, the harder it's going to be to edit <laughs> out oh, all yeah. the trash and us talking oh. over each other. Okay, I was just going <laughs> to... Uh, okay, so post-millennial... No, I mean... Uh, I'll post-marionette keep it is yeah, that's post-marionette. Yeah. Post-millennialism is uh, the idea that Christ, uh, on when he came to Earth, he established the kingdom... Okay, so that's also Amil. But then I guess the main thing that uh, differs between uh, post-mill and Amil is that a post-millennial would believe that Christendom, Christianity, the church, um, is the driving force between an ever-increasing uh, dominion of, of Christ on, on this world, even right now, and that um, that, that is going to result <clears throat> in a... I hesitate to use the word golden age, um, but I think it can be appropriately said to be like a, an age of of uh, peace and prosperity and, and beauty and um, where a lot of the other uh, enemies of God are going to be defeated, you know, through the church or just through other circumstances. So the way that I've heard Doug Wilson put it, you know, one of the one of the main things is the idea that the last enemy to be defeated is death. So before that, there's all these other enemies that are defeated like I said, either by the church or by, you know, other ways that, that God orchestrates history. So, like, 
Norse mythology was an enemy, and that's pretty much defeated. Like, nobody worships mm. Odin anymore. Um, the bubonic plague was an enemy, and that's defeated. Communism I mean, it's was an around, enemy, but yeah. that's defeated. Yeah, I mean, like, the bubonic plague still exists, but it's not wiping out a third of, mm-hmm. you know, the population of the Persian Empire in Europe and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it's like... Uh, all, all these enemies are being defeated, and they're being defeated by... <clears throat> Uh, God either through his church or through his general orchestration of history and so the church is ever advancing, ever pushing forward ever spreading more light and gospel and hope and um, holiness into the world and then at the end of that golden age Jesus shows up and defeats the last enemy which the church you know has not been equipped to defeat herself which is death and so there will be no more death okay but, um, like, all these other, you know, advancements in the world, um, not all of them, but, like, most of them come through civilizations that are uh, principally affected by the Christian religion of, over and above any other religion. I like that, actually. You're all millennial. Mm-hmm. Correct. What would you say the distinction between post-mile and all-mile is? I would see the the main distinction I would see is that the kingdom is talked about in scripture as a gift, not as something that we um, do through our own actions or earn through our own actions. That Jesus brings the kingdom versus we go out and take the world over. Um, so I think that would be a heavy distinction. I do think that the gospel is spreading and taking over more ground because the gates of hell can't resist its advance. But I do believe that the world is the secular world, like the world that's apart from Christ, the Babylon, is, con- it seems like, continually getting worse. Um, so, new paganisms arise all the time. So, like, one gets crushed, and then something else pops up in its place. Uh, like, you think about just the fact that uh, woke culture is almost emulating perfectly a new paganism, a new religion that people are bounding to as adherents, like, to it a religion. So it's like, well, I see these cropping back up, so it doesn't seem like uh, those are going away. And it's just so, like, you go back to Middle Ages, and there was a full Christendom that dominated the landscape, and now we're pull, pushing, get, getting pushed backwards. So it's like, how do you account for the push and pull that Christianity goes forward, then gets pushed back, then goes forward, gets pushed back? I I would push back huh? uh, <laughs> against that statement just by saying that, like, while... Christ was mentioned, you know, you'd say all across Europe specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, Christianity or a version of it was brought into the New World and, you know, into other places. It's like, I don't think that the the Christendom that existed throughout most of the Middle Ages is something really worth emulating or or worth me, as a Protestant especially, uh, naming as like the legitimate kingdom of uh, God ruling solely through that avenue and then it's like the kingdom has you know sure europe is less evangelical now but Mm -hmm. i think i think the numbers are that both south america and africa are becoming um protestant at a faster rate now than europe did during the protestant reformation Mm. and so it's like if you talk about the whole world and like you know Mm -hmm. my my big thing is if you go to the philippines there's people that say jesus is lord if you go Mm -hmm. to russia argentina france egypt Australia, Canada, like, mm-hmm. all these corners of the earth, and there's people there 
in pretty sizable numbers in most of those places, there's mm-hmm. there's communities of people who who will say, yeah, that carpenter who was like the son of a nobody, um, that guy was God, and he conquered death and mm-hmm. hell and the grave, and uh, so. I also would say that even just on a lot of other metrics, which I know these aren't mm-hmm. as explicitly Christian. Okay, so there's there's more Bibles in more languages today than ever. There's more Christians mm-hmm. than ever, but some of that also just has to do with population. Um, mm-hmm. But even things that are not as expressly spiritual, it's like there's less infant mortality. There's less starvation. Mm-hmm. Um, the average, like... Of, of every African country combined together, um, the average African has uh, more access to more calories now now than mm. the average man in Portugal did in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's just so much um, to take heart in and to, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's less vitamin A deficiency and less malaria and less mm-hmm. of those sorts of things. And it's like I get that that's not explicitly Christian, but it's like death is bad mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and and suffering and and pain and the fact that a lot of these uh missions and and relief <clears throat> agencies are christian backed and christian based mm-hmm. it's like i see the the kingdom advancing it and yeah I, I don't think it's all just us with our monergistic contributions to you know mm-hmm. to history doing this without mm-hmm. the enabling of the holy spirit but mm-hmm. i would say that the gift that god is giving to us is the capacity to beneficially mm-hmm. affect the world mm-hmm. that makes sense but i mean honestly like the people i have most in common with are just optimists regardless of if they call themselves amillennial or postmillennial. Mm-hmm. um there's just an optimism to saying like man i really do i grew up being told the world's worse now than it's ever been and mm-hmm. you know it's it the reason it's worse now than it's ever been is because uh you know Madonna kissed a lady on the the mm-hmm. at the Oscars or mm-hmm. whatever it was mm-hmm. MTV Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and that is the sign that that the world is as corrupt now as it ever has been. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if you only look at America and you only look at the past, you know, thirty years, then maybe. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I just don't agree with that. So it's it's mostly optimism, mm-hmm. and Christmas fills me with that sense mm-hmm. of hope. I got a question. Do you do you think uh do you think uh to be like a Christian? Cuz I I've had this I've had this thought for a while. Um do you think if someone's to be a Christian do you think do you think they need to believe um like in that particular thing or someone needs to believe millennialism? Yeah. Oh, yes. someone yeah. If you don't believe that you're not a Christian. If you, if you believe in that or like if someone <laughs> needs to you have to believe in like be, you have to believe in predestination. You have to believe in, you know, stuff Ooh. like that. Like, do you think for to like if you if you what want to call yourself versus open hand. If you want to call yourself a Christian, <clears throat> you would like saying like I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and you don't believe, um, in predestination. You don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. Then, like, could could I call myself a Christian? But even though I believe in free will, would you consider if somebody's in free will and stuff? Would you could do you still consider them a Christian? I believe in free will. Like, I mean, believing like they're well, like people that miracles still happen and stuff. Believe you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so is, is the is, is the question is the question how is like essential 
Yeah, what are essential things? Yeah, what is essential things to be up for, like... For just... For this time or for just in general? Just in general, Okay, so I was thinking it was just in conversation, like... Amel, post-mail. No, I was just saying in general, would, like, if <clears throat> someone would believe in this thing, would that supposed to not be? Mm-hmm. Like, I, for instance, like, predestination and stuff like that, which is, seems to be a lot of topic of the uh, debate. I think the Apostles' Creed is a good place to start, but mm-hmm. my main thing is, whenever it gets into to questions like this, I don't like drawing hard lines, necessarily, because it's like, I think the best way to know someone is to spend time with them, and it's like, if they if they say, well, I don't believe in predestination because I just could not respect a God who treated people like that, it's like, okay, that's kind of a red flag. But if they're someone who says, well, you know, hey, if we look in this text, if we look at, you know, if they're treating the Bible with integrity and just legitimately coming to the other conclusion, I think that person, you know, mm-hmm. can be a, a true Christian. So for the, for the most part, it's like, it really depends on the person, how they're treating the word, mm-hmm. their humility um before the word and mm-hmm. just their view of mm-hmm. christ the non-negotiables are the trinity uh the manhood and godhood of jesus the resurrection right okay. um yeah mm-hmm. okay i would make a distinction and say that i wouldn't so like you brought up predestination i, you, I think you've asked me this before but i would say like i don't believe that not believing okay Never mind, because that's going to be... <laughs> I don't not unbelieve. Yeah. I believe that if, if you negative. don't believe in predestination, then you are not believing in a Christian doctrine. Okay? Okay. So that if you if, so if you if you have a different belief than predestination, it's not a Christian doctrine. Okay, so like, does that mean that you're not saved? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, and that's where I make a distinction between being justified before God mm. and being a disciple of Christ. Mm. One, wait, wait, think, wait, would you say that that person's not a disciple? Uh, it's it, there are deficiencies in their discipleship. Yeah, but I, I I think I would even word it differently than that. Like someone having, uh, affirming orthodoxy versus being justified by God. I I don't know that I would say such a person is not a disciple, especially if they're trying to okay. understand the scripture and they really are trying to submit to the scripture it's just that they haven't been mm-hmm. uh you know well led to, there yet to me in discipling is is an imitation and, and also uh propagating the the teachings mm-hmm. of christ mm-hmm. and so if you're not propagating those teachings i think there's a deficiency in your discipling or discipleship mm-hmm. you being a disciple Mm-hmm. Um, I just picked predestination mm-hmm. as an example, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, this is a controversial one. But when you get into like First Corinthians eleven, and you have the idea of head coverings or having long hair, or whatever, like Paul at the end of it says, there's no other teaching in any of the churches. This, what I just laid out for you is that. So I would say, if you don't get that right, that's another example of how you're not being a disciple of of Jesus, because Paul, being an apostle, his whole purpose is to teach us mm-hmm. and, and and to give us an example to emulate ourselves and if he's saying like this this is the only teaching as far as it, that belongs in a christian church and that doesn't find itself in your church or in your life and it's like <coughs> you know I'm, I'm not again i'm not saying that that justifies you or unjustifies you but jesus says if you love me you'll do what i say <clears throat> if you want to be a disciple go and, and then the great commission is 
baptize people, baptize mm -hmm. uh, the nations, mm -hmm. and, and teaching them to do what I've taught you. Mm -hmm. So, so can that's you, part can of the you great me, like what it means to, um, okay, so I'm a believer in God, mm -hmm. being a disciple of God. Can you tell me, like, what's the difference between those two? Being a believer and being a disciple? Yeah. Well, I would say it's pretty much the same thing. If, if well, you'd have to tell me what, what you so, mean by like, believer. When you, when, you, when you said, like, there's a difference, you said there's two. Like being a disciple. Well, being that. justified before God right. and being mm -hmm. a disciple. Right. So for me, discipling has more to do with sanctification. Mm -hmm. okay. It's mm -hmm. becoming more and more like Jesus. And it's progressive. It's not like yeah. this one moment you're, yeah. you're done. Right. Like so, you said, so you don't believe a believer in God who does not believe in predestination could not be um, more like God without believing in predestination? No, I, I would say probably in some areas they're they're working on being mm -hmm. more like God. I'm, that's why I call it a deficiency okay. because it's like an area that you're not going to be sanctified. An area weak. Right. Yeah. yeah, so... And, we... and hopefully the, as you like grow and progress in your faith that you really are studious and studying, you'll try to get more accurate with doctrine. Right. That's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> because Cause a disciple is a learner too. It's not like one who's arrived. Mm, it's right. someone who's following right. and right. seeking to and learn. And that's one of the reasons I, I yeah. mentioned humility. Yeah. And just humility in front of the text is like I see, mm -hmm. and I, especially growing up, I saw this where it's like people use people would wave around their Bible like a bludgeon, and it's like this is like a surgeon's scalpel, you know, mm -hmm. like you're mm -hmm. you're supposed to use it carefully to cut mm -hmm. hearts to health, and I know it's also likened unto a sword and everything, but like the the main thing is like don't be, you wouldn't be reckless with a gun, you know, and you wouldn't be. Uh, I don't know, just kind of that that cruel mm -hmm. um, type of type of use of scripture that I've seen, where it's it's um, just so self assured, mm. so um, haughty that it's like, man, do you not read what the what the scripture has to say to those who are of that mindset? It's like you're you're walking a dangerous path, man. Right. So, so can I ask a question about not to like derail from this and go back to another point, but for just as a point of clarification for myself, for the for the post millennial view that you're talking about, is the primary goal of it to evangelize the nations, or is the primary goal to take dominion of the nations? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I I would say evangelize and and then the byproduct of it is just well, the, the world's better. Forgive me for constantly having to go to the same well, but no, Doug no, Wilson is the guy that I've heard talk most about this. Mm -hmm. He says. Um, like with evangelism, a lot of times we focus on the second half of the Great Commission and we don't mm -hmm. really acknowledge the first half because it doesn't mm -hmm. say go and, you know, tell on it. It says therefore go. And what's mm -hmm. the therefore referring back to? It's like, well, all dominion has already been given to me. Mm -hmm. So when you're like if when you're going into, you know, a, a community of people who've never heard the gospel, you're not saying like, hey, Jesus is running for president. Like, you know, he, he wants your vote. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, yo, you don't know this yet. But like he Jesus has landed mm -hmm. and yep. he has already established that he's the king of France, Argentina, you know, just what whatever. Place. It's like he's already king everywhere. And I'm here to to evangelize, to, to bring you this good news that this whole system that you have in, you know, Russian feudalism or in. Uh, Chinese communism or, or whatever, you know, throughout history and, and around the world, like, I have good news for you. The system that you see yourself living under is not the ultimate uh, mm -hmm. system the way things actually are. It's yeah. like, um, you know, you have slave owners after the Civil War 
and it's like okay now that the the confederacy has lost the war you'd have heralds who would go into Mm -hmm. you know these plantations and be like Mm -hmm. i have news for all like you're not slaves anymore Mm -hmm. you're free you know Mm -hmm. and so when we go we evangelize but we evangelize um acknowledging that like all authority is already in the hand of jesus Mm -hmm. and he's he's ruling all these places and they might be you know in their death throes and the death throes of a of a culture might last for you know Mm -hmm. hundreds of years but like he's he is reigning Mm -hmm. um and so we're there to tell them like someone else has established dominion here and you can acknowledge it or not but if you don't like you mm-hmm. you will bow your knee to him one day, but I'm here to tell you like it's so much better to acknowledge and to serve this new Lord um, now mm-hmm. in this life. Mm. So how do you factor in the rebel powers? What do you mean, like Star Wars? No, like uh, <laughs> so throughout the New Testament, after <clears throat> Jesus's resurrection, you have the governments and the and Satan and all these forces that are pushing against the church. How do you factor that if all authority is if, if the victory's already been won and you're proclaiming that it's done? Well, it's um, I, I'm I'm not saying it's done. Uh-huh. I'm saying that like it's I I don't really know what the word is that I'm maybe looking it's for. Been it's ushered it's uh it's already in God's ledger book, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it's like if it's in His ledger book. Who else's book are you going to look into mm-hmm. to like fact check him on it? It's like no, he he is king here. Mm-hmm. It's just that the people here they don't know it yet. Like and kind so of like, I'm, I'm going it. So it's like you the, know I th- the wars where people like little pockets kept fighting even though the war was over. Correct. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and so it's like um, you know Jerusalem is the beachhead, mm-hmm. and then from there you have the church established. And I I think there is something else that's special to say about like the period that the new Testament is written in, mm-hmm. because it's kind of this, um, this overlapping of the old age with the new age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, once again, Doug Wilson, he says in an Olympic like baton race, mm-hmm. there is a time when both people have their mm-hmm. hand on the baton, mm-hmm. but it's brief. And then like mm-hmm. the other one takes it and, and keeps running. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, that, that beachhead was established in Jerusalem when Christ mm-hmm. rose from the grave and then you had, what was it, 120 people mm-hmm. in the upper room. And then Pentecost, 5,000. There was another day where it was, mm-hmm. I think, 4,000 were saved uh, after one proclamation of the gospel by the apostles. So it mm-hmm. multiplies to the thousands. And then you have um, one of the first major persecutions, which blows up Jerusalem. And what happens is that these Christians scatter mm-hmm. to you know, Phrygia and mm-hmm. Achaia and Egypt and, you mm-hmm. know, just all, all these places. And so now what was supposed to be, you know, crushing the, the hornet's nest has really just sent them off to build new, um, mm-hmm. you know, new nests in mm-hmm. other corners of the globe. And then, you know, it, mostly the places, the places that have the oldest um, church traditions would be the, the Middle East, Europe, mm-hmm. you know, you'd say Ethiopia, there's the, what's the name that's given to the Indian, um, you know what mm. I'm talking about? The one that says it was established by Thomas? Thomas. There's there a specific name to it? Like, a, Is, like Don't they have know. like a, it's like not, because Egyptians are called Coptic Christians mm-hmm. and then you have the, the, oh, the Byzantine, whatever, uh, but 
Anyway, so it's like they get they get scattered and they I think it was actually on the other side of India. Oh. On the Brahmaputra or the the other the eastern side of India. I honestly never knew where Thomas was supposedly mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, so like that's that's kind of the idea is that um it's not it's not like kingdoms aren't still rebelling against that authority, but it's like uh you know, I'm trying to think of what would be a good example. I guess like China. Um, think of medieval China or even ancient China where it's like mm-hmm. you have the emperor. And on his map, it says, these domains are mine. Mm-hmm. And they must pay tribute. They must pay taxes to mm-hmm. me. Now, a certain, you know, prefect or whatever they call their um, their regions, like a certain one might rebel and say, we're not paying. We're not going to acknowledge your your lordship. But that didn't mean that that king was not still technically yeah. their king, yeah. you know. And he would eventually go or send, you know, uh, an uh, mm-hmm. army to to reestablish or to to solidify, um, to to make those people know that that is part of his dominion. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the church doesn't do that through military might; mm-hmm. it does it through just proclamation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like the most effective way that Christians have spread the truth of God's word is just by their deaths, yep. mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so okay. that's, that, so I would say it's, it's very, very similar to all millennialism. Mm. The only exception is the golden age, this golden age idea. Correct. Yeah. And, and the I idea that that age happens before mm-hmm, the return um, of Christ. Yeah. Cause I feel like all millennials so the millennium gold, is... would see Christ's return as the golden age. Like we wouldn't have a golden age apart from him Correct. being in the, in the flood. Yeah. And, and I, I don't like that golden age is not a perfect age, um, mm-hmm. but it is a improved age. And I mean, there are some post millennialists who would say we are in it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if they would say it was established. Mm-hmm. Let's say maybe at the Reformation, mm-hmm. or you know maybe a hundred years after that, after the Thirty Years' War had been fought and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but like the millennium's here, guys, and like we've started figuring out all this, you know, new crop planting technologies mm-hmm. and now like phones and spaceships and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Is is so, the metric though really just how many kingdoms or nations, tribes, peoples that are being reached with the gospel? Is that really the true metric that we're saying is where we can say like things are improving throughout time? Um yeah, like the the number of Christians, the number of tribes, the number of Bibles in different languages. Um and again, like I I've recently come mm-hmm. to the point where I call myself a postmillennial and I don't hold it like mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is definitely my camp. Like the people who I'm enthusiastic about having these conversations with are either postmillennials or um optimistic amillennials. Like I I just feel like that's my um, my niche mm-hmm. when it comes to that, which I feel like is a pretty rare group of people these days, because I feel like most people who would call themselves Christian in America, they have a view of end times that's more mm-hmm. shaped by John Hagee and the Left Behind series mm-hmm. than by ac- an actual reading of the Olivet Discourse or the Book of Revelation, um, or even just the other epistles. Mm-hmm. You know, the the epistles of of Peter or of mm-hmm. uh, you know, Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, like just talk, talking about those sorts of things. But mm-hmm. yeah, 
Did it, mm. I don't know. I feel like I kind of started to answer your question. <laughs> and I did, so. Well, like, because uh, that was something you were talking with Dan. And I mean, every now and again, you'll, you'll point to some other thing, like an, an event like the Industrial Revolution or, or something like that. But it's like it seems like the real metric that you're using to uh, see the world improving is the spreading of the gospel to different nations, tribes, and tongues. Yeah, correct. And I, I would say that um, it's like that's the primary thing that you would measure, and then the other things are kind of side effects. It's like along with. Yeah, it's like as but the kingdom goes forth. Yeah, um, it's like uh, I guess to keep the illustration of China, it's like China conquers a new region, and then later those people wind up speaking Chinese. Right. You know, um, so Christ you know, establishes his beachhead evangelism. Um, you know, uh, you have this community of believers and then you also see ministries of mercy and hospitals and, you know, just mm-hmm. children being able to have the surgery that fixes their cleft palate. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all those other things that lead to, mm-hmm. I, I almost cringe at the term, but I, I shouldn't like, it should be a term that I'm enthusiastic to use is like human flourishing. Mm-hmm. Like this is what is actually mm-hmm. best for humans and and a lot of these um i mean I, I don't remember exactly when it was that you were talking about but uh it might have been might have been last time on the podcast mm-hmm. but it's like you know you have all these botanists that to them botany was a worship exercise mm-hmm. because it's like holy cow like look at the symmetry look at mm-hmm. the the double helix structure of dna like mm-hmm. the guys who well you know the story of the guys who discovered that Walter and Crick and they were like committed atheists and they said, wow, like this is absolute for sure evidence that there must be alien life because this is definitely a design structure. Anyway, oh, okay. but like all that to say, it it stokes my heart to worship and it does that mm-hmm. for, I feel like a lot of God's people is just when you, when you hear these things and mm-hmm. when you, when you see these things, it's like, man, there's a beauty to this. That, um, and that, that mm-hmm. discovery of those facets of god's mm-hmm. ordering creation and his the beauty that he's built into creation i think are side effects mm-hmm. they're not the primary thing to be measured but they are it's mm-hmm. kind of like the natural thing that would come along mm-hmm. with that Life territory yeah and that helps clear things up for me because when i was first hearing a little bit more about like doug wilson the whole postmill thing classic postmill or at least how classic postmill got twisted um into was that those were the rubric that you make society better in order to encourage the kingdom mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. And as our society progresses, it shows that the kingdom is coming. So because we have like the telegraph and we have yeah. all these things, like that shows that Jesus Trans- is about to come and, you know, more and more people are, you know, very, a lot of people were going to church and all this stuff. Um, and so that confuses me when people throw around postmill because I think of that postmillennialism yeah. where it's like we build the best society. Jesus is pleased mm-hmm. and he comes down. Jesus, you know, that's one of the main reasons why America was called like the new Jerusalem by some of the Puritans that were yeah. post mill, they were trying to create a holy city. Um, and that, so well, it's like evangelism and those things were put at, put at an equal footing. Like, yeah. And, world, and I think, I, I don't think that those things are unrelated as far as like, if you have a society where people acknowledge the scripture as valid, they start saying things like, Hey, uh, maybe the consent of the governed matters and like maybe you need people to, to weigh mm-hmm. in on matters that have to do with them. Maybe, um, you know, the, the individual should have these these inalienable rights, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so there's, 
states become more respectful of their people if they acknowledge that like everyone that I'm governing is an image bearer of God. And so those societies become more uh, mm-hmm. stable and free and, and the people can pursue different avenues because you don't have like an index of uh, outlawed books like the, the Roman mm-hmm. Catholic Church had. It's like, no, I mean, people are people can study things. People can say that the earth is, you know, the, the earth revolves around the sun without being, you know, branded as a heretic and exiled. Mm-hmm. So is the, the golden age about, is it about the golden age of the human race or the golden age of the church? Um, hmm. That's, that's a good question. I, I think it is, I also have, that was that was where I was going next as well. Oh yeah, that, how, that's, how the church factors in. That's a good question because I I think it's like, um, that the church or Christianity is kind of normalized, and so it's not going to be a golden age that has the same type of effect on every man, and there still will be people who don't acknowledge the lordship of Christ, um, and there still will be death and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's like, it will be one in as much as it is the other, kind of. I mean, mm-hmm. more, more so for the church, but the mm-hmm. the earth will also have this positive uh, period applied mm-hmm. to it. Hmm. Yeah, because that's one of my questions, how the church factors in, in a post-mill. Because for Amil, I see the church as the, the, out, the outpost kingdoms. Yeah being set up all around the world that represent a rival government to whatever government that they're in, you know, and that government being a false government, um, because Christ has sat down at the right hand of the father. That's, that's a text. I don't think that we can really, I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room Mm. on what it means when it says that Christ ascended to the right hand of the father and sat down on his throne in full authority. Um, so that's why I strongly break with, uh, like dispensationals that tend to be Mm. a lot like more like, Oh, he'll come back to reign. Mm. Um, uh, so I see the, I see them as like kingdom outposts popping up. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I was wondering, like how post mills see the church factoring into this. Would they see it in the same way or would they see it? It's like, these are just places that are acknowledging the Lordship that had just already has over the whole world. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's more so the second one. Okay. Like acknowledging something that's already a reality, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not, whether you submit to it or not. Mm-hmm. It's like one day you will. Like one day when you die, if you die mm-hmm. uh, resisting the lordship and denying the the kingship of mm-hmm. Christ, it will be made clear to you and your knee will bow. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there could ever be governments that are God-honoring? Hmm. Like, because in my Ooh. view, in my Amel view, the governments are best uh, figured, because I like to go to Old Testament because it makes me feel cozy and safe. <laughs> are best prefigured as Babylons. Mm. So I feel like, um, scripturally speaking, like a lot of what America does is very like line up with Babylon um, versus the church. I, I want to say yes. I want to say that there is a sense in which you could have a secular government that is concerned with holiness and so aspires to that and mm-hmm. seeks to, you know, not that they're going to do it perfectly, just like yeah, a per- yeah. person will do it perfectly. Um, but in, and in that sense, you might have a Christian nation. And I'm trying to think how, of what I might. How hmm? would a secular government be striving towards holiness? 
Uh, I mean, by by treating their people fairly, by not getting involved in unjust wars. Okay, by... so, so they're not they're not consciously striving towards it. No, I mean they're doing they're doing these things because they're trying to honor or the mm-hmm. the individuals involved in the government mm-hmm. care about holiness and honoring God, and so they want to run the country. They want to allocate mm-hmm. people's taxes in such a way that it's actually benefiting the people and not going to, you know make skeletons out of mm-hmm. Palestinian kids, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing. But it's like, you have, you'd have a government that honors God when the people who make up that government are concerned with honoring God. So I wouldn't say that that nation then becomes, you know, the New Jerusalem or anything. But I'm, I'm trying to think of historic examples because I'm like... The Puritan you know, colonies. Yeah. You said the, that was a successful attempt? Um, The Puritan colonies... Okay, I'm I'm thinking even even about like a kingdom. I'm trying to think of like what about Queen Elizabeth? Would we say that England under Queen Elizabeth would be a, you know, a, a Christian like they were concerned with Christianity? Hold they, I mean, there, there's there's a lot that they did wrong. Like, and I, well, I'm choosing Queen Elizabeth because it's even Protestant. Oh, you know, uh, Calvin's Geneva. Yeah, that that's another one. But, but I'm like, that's kind of a government. It's also so loose, which I I think is how. I think it's actually a good you thing. Still have it's like yeah, the he, cantons, yeah, and that, and that Calvin called on the magistrates for Christian obedience, yeah, and what the role of a Christian magistrate was, and the then you have the, this, the, not secular, but just in the sense of the actual government of the country, yeah. So it doesn't secular is not the best title for it, but just whatever the government. Of so they the did is. unsavory things, like you know, Queen Elizabeth had a bunch of Catholics executed, mm-hmm. and same thing like Calvin the whole Servetus thing and I know I know it I know that it wasn't it's not as cut and dry well, as well, most Servetus was warned multiple times yeah, not to do it. Not he, to come. He yeah. took his life in his own hands. But anyway, without getting into any of that Sorry. Well I think we we should get into that. Because it's like for me I think it's a parallel conversation to when a communist says that, you know, communism is the best way to go, it's the best form of government and you ask the communist, you know, give us an example of a successful communist regime and then there's silence because you can't find it. There's plenty of examples. Um, mm-hmm. You can go to to the Netherlands, um, somewhere around the 1800s. That's mm-hmm. where I think Reconstructionalism had its roots. Um, they were communists? No, they weren't communists. <laughs> no, they, there was, I forgot what his name was. It's going to escape me. But he really, basically a lot of things that you're talking about, he saw that the his country and his, the government was becoming more and more you're secular. you talking about William of Orange? Are you talking about Kuiper? The prime minister. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hyper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. The theologian and he'll also serve as prime minister. Yeah. The only reason I know that is because of Ben Gross. Yeah. <laughs> so he's reading, he's reading a biography yeah. of Kuiper and show me pictures of him in his right. prime minister sash. Mm. Yeah, I, I've read, I haven't yeah, read I an actual that one. That yeah, was, that, was, yeah, that was the one that actually came to mind. Okay. Um, but there are others. I think um, Denmark mm-hmm. was one. Mm. But they, they all eventually fell. They all eventually, you're going to say, you can give examples where they did unsavory things. And it's like, I know. Netherlands and Denmark are both still countries. They, they are, but yeah. they're not Christian. I know. They're, yeah. they're yeah. very so This is what I'm trying to say is no, like no. the atheistic. relationship between, as far as the golden age or how we're, we're met, doing the metrics as far as um, success or progress mm-hmm. is the church or the world. Because I, I understand when you're saying there's going to be like a byproduct, but mm. they're, they're going to affect one another. Mm. And it's just, you, you can't play with dirt without getting yourself dirty, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
So yeah, and so that's that's why I would not I would never look at a government and be like, behold, the mechanism by which Christ is bringing his kingdom into right. the world. It's like no, the church that's uniquely good. holds that yeah. that position. But if you have a government that is made up of people who are a part of the global church and they're concerned with holiness and all that sort of stuff, it's like, okay, I feel pretty good about that. That so hungry does, over there? So does Miguel. <laughs> I am hungry. Well, I do have a question, and then Miguel, you are required to share something okay. about what you think about how the world will end. Uh, well, my, my question has to do with the label post-millennial or... Like it maybe doesn't really fit for a millennial, but like post millennial, the idea that Christ comes after the millennium, mm -hmm. where do you, you don't get that idea from actual revelation, like chapter 20, right? Because in there, he, he doesn't come after the rain, like the rain is ushered by his coming. And, but it's, it, there was another verse, I think you were, you were talking about, um, first Corinthians 15, where he sat at the right hand of the father. Right. So is it is postmillennial really an accurate label, would you say, of what you're believing? Is it really you say of me? Uh, well, because well, you're the one who who's recently been studying. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm new enough to this that I don't feel married to it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's either this or bust, you know, um, at the same time, when I hear it articulated, um, and even like I've heard, I've listened to a couple, not really debates, but more like conversations between people who disagree. And it's like, man, I really do find myself resonating with the, the, the post-millennial side. Um, but like I said, the thing that I'm committed to or the thing that I'm most convinced by is just the optimism. No, no I, I, so, I was, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. No, I was just really getting at the, the, the term post-millennial. Like, is that you're not getting that idea from... The, the chapter that actually has to do with the millennium, right? Correct. Revelation. Okay. So, so I was saying, do you think that's a fair label then for what you believe? Um, I mean, I mean, perhaps not, but I've also heard, I can't articulate it and I'm, I, oh. I could try, but I'm not gonna to try, but I've heard, um, I've heard Wilson's take on specifically Revelation 20, because okay. obviously that's the first question that you have to ask. But he said he made a point that like pretty much everybody winds up having a problem with their interpretation of mm. of Revelation 20 at some point. Mm -hmm. right. It's just where is that specific point mm -hmm. going to be? And so like Daniel, you had said um, when we had um, been kind of on break, you said, I like everything about postmillennialism except for the idea of the golden age. And then I think you also need to account for persecution. And, you know, I think the joke you were fishing for was like, that is millennialism, mm -hmm. and so I said it, and you giggled. And, yeah, because uh, it's very, it's it's very, very, very close. Yeah, and I, and I think that well, one, it doesn't help that historically, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe postmillennialism was just Catholicism, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like we spread the kingdom mm -hmm. by the sword if necessary, mm -hmm. and by the Inquisition if necessary, and mm -hmm. by the, you know, the Crusade if necessary, um, and we we burn heretics mm -hmm. when necessary. Um, but I think specifically with persecution, I think it can still fit in. Um, well, to, to wrap that last part up, it's like, you know, amillennialism, I think, is, is more of a soul uh, brother to postmillennialism than it is to premillennialism. 
tongue twister like, when you say it that many times. But, yeah. But <laughs> I think the persecution aspect finds place in the same... Mm-hmm. Like, if we go back to the China example again, it's like, if I'm the king and I send mm-hmm. an emissary to a rebellious um, exclave, mm-hmm. then they might torture and yeah. kill my... Yeah, yeah my prophets or my son if i send them you know and i think i think a lot of the reasons for the terminology came from the thousand years so yeah. Mill sees that the the jesus comes and ushers in a thousand year period i think old post mill believed that there would be a thousand year golden age and mm-hmm. then jesus would come mm-hmm. and Amil is of because not because they don't believe in the millennial period, because they don't believe it's a thousand years, that it's a figurative thousand. Yeah. So it's really like figured it, figure of millennialism, that it's a long duration of time, which I think yeah. best fits the text. Does does this view of post millennialism believe in a literal thousand year golden age? Um, it doesn't believe that it's necessarily technically a thousand years, but it does. Uh-huh. It also says. That the golden age is not the entire time between Christ's first and second coming, mm-hmm. so that's that's the main distinction from amillennial. Mm-hmm. So, I can right. see that. I can see that. Like there's a there's a shift that happens. Miguel's that at that. On what I think in all this, I think if you put a, a gun to my head, I would fall into the amillennial. Okay. Um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, it's it's just uh, it's something that uh, I don't study a lot because I don't think mm-hmm. it's super important. I just, it's not something that whether I'm in the golden age or whether I'm mm-hmm. waiting for the golden age, I'm gonna live faithfully. Yeah. I'm gonna you know like, and, and I'm not saying that that people who do look into it are mm-hmm. not. I just it's just something that like it doesn't bear on me yeah my and that, uh, I, <laughs> my I, life's too busy to sit down and scratch my head on that kind of stuff i'll agree like it's not the thing that i think is the wisest thing to dedicate you know years of your life to studying but i think it's a good i think it's a rabbit hole that's definitely worth um going down and and for me i go down a lot of rabbit holes like i go down rabbit holes just you know about different works of fiction or you know the ottoman empire or whatever and so you know mm-hmm. it's it's something that's interesting to study mm-hmm. and to see how my christian brothers have thought mm-hmm. and disagreed on this mm-hmm. for the last couple thousand years see like it, mm-hmm. see i i and that last sentence is why i'm just like meh i'm like because there's been pe- disagreement not that there's been disagreement because as history of this podcast shows i love disagreement um <laughs> but just like it's like look there are people who want to dedicate their lives to this mm. and there are definitely people who are smarter than me mm. and there are people who have definitely a more vested interest than me and they can't agree on it so like i'm not going to sit here and try to armchair it like mm-hmm. this is and and honestly like neither offends me mm. you know like it's not like i don't like I say, like you put a gun to my head and say I'm millennial, but it's like mm-hmm. you need to be post. I'm like, all right, cool, done. Mm-hmm. Does it does it keep a bullet out of my head? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's one of those topics that's that I think it's like, yeah, it's it's a uh, okay, that's a fun thing to mm-hmm. know about, read about, and be like, all right, cool, like checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> throw throw that in the suitcase and throw that suitcase in a corner, mm-hmm. just because it's it's one of those. Yeah, like I don't, it, it bears well, no mean... weight upon my faith. I'd I'd say it, like uh, things have changed about my uh, personality, my outlook, my even like 
kind of the way I think and plan about, you know, my future in ministry or mm-hmm. just like money, things like that. You know, uh, if, if you're convinced, like if you're premillennial and you're convinced that, well, this world is, you know, just destined for destruction and we're going to start over again anyway, then like, you know, who, who really cares? But then you have people who are more amillennial or, or postmillennial where they'll say like, no, it's, it's worth my effort to like plant sequoia trees, even though mm-hmm. like they won't necessarily be visible to my great, great, great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Like there, there will be a positive effect, um, you know, that'll be carried out later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just thinking more ultra long term, um, it, it fills you with a sense of optimism instead mm-hmm. of this persistent like pessimism that so many Christians have of like, mm-hmm. oh, the world you know, these people won this election, and so therefore the world is, you know, one step closer to uh, Armageddon and condemnation and, like, trying to predict who the Antichrist is. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, obviously you're not living that life mm-hmm. right now. But, I mean, I I think it's absolutely worth, um, like, you enrich your perspective of a lot of aspects of the, the mm-hmm. Word of God when you when you look into this type of stuff because it's also changed the way that I read the minor prophets, you know, it, it's changed mm. the way that I read a lot of the things that Jesus will say or that Paul will say. So it's like, mm-hmm. as I come across those things, um, and, and not to say like, um, you know, that this affects my grocery list for the week, but like mm-hmm. it, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the word, it does make me kind of like, it, it gives me a renewed sense of, uh, awe, curiosity, mm-hmm. interest, um, just appreciation of beauty and so I think that's definitely worth it. And I, like I said, I find time to do a lot of other stuff that is actually pointless. And so it's like, I think this is, like I said, it's just something that's interesting to mm-hmm. to muse and, and think about. And, and even to, you know, I'd never get into a heated argument about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I would get into a heated argument about, you know, free will versus predestination. I don't, I don't find myself getting heated mm-hmm. over a lot of things but it's like i i do think it winds up having an effect on the way that you think about others and the word and yourself and your family and the future and all that kind of stuff so it's like it's just little by little as you uh hone your perspectives on these and other issues it winds up um i i think little by little making you more and more into the image of christ you know mm-hmm. which is it's like I just want to be thinking like he thinks about these things. So I will say that from the two positions that we've talked about right right so far that I have their differences but they're that they're fairly similar. They both have basically the same result as far as practicality. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah. the amillennial sees that the gospel advances the core thing that the Christian should be doing is pushing mm-hmm. forward, preaching the gospel like uh, Eric talked about like baptizing and um, you know the nations and teaching mm-hmm. them to follow Jesus personally I think probably the same thing mm-hmm. but that's the primary mission of the church and that's what we should be doing and the gates of hell cannot resist that advance mm-hmm. they right. can't stop it from taking over and both positions would, would hold that because it's in scripture it's a good thing to acknowledge that what's in scripture is true and so the result of that is that the teaching whether you're all mill or post mill in this situation is go preach the gospel and push it forward. Mm. Um, if you were to teach like uh, a certain version of older post millennialism, 
the result would then be saying, hey, go into government and take over the government. Go in and yeah. build cities. It's and super then, important that we elect. And that's more yeah. important than sharing the gospel, because the gospel will happen once we get all those things going. Yeah. Or uh, dispensationalism, which is going to be primarily like, well, you got to figure out how to support Israel. And that <laughs> the government has to support Israel, or God will curse the nation. Mm. Like, that gets you to a different result. So those distinctions, I think, are important. Um Historic pre is actually surprisingly close to mm. Amil and post mill. It's just when the millennial happens. That's the only difference that from good post uh, historic pre that I've read. Um, so I want to make sure to like distinguish dispensational yeah. from pre mill, um, which is so unfortunate that that's yeah. the one that's the weirdest and most kind of like off the wall and it's and very different. Seems least in touch with what the the Bible says, but then it's like. That's the one that has taken over America. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, I even in my classes, like, that I teach, we'll talk about, um, you know, what happened in Afghanistan, or we'll, mm-hmm. or we'll talk about Palestine and the Iron Dome and all that stuff, and it's like, well, wait, isn't it, like, important? And, and all of them, pretty much all of them, even if they have the most basic, um, like, exposure to Christianity, they'll be like, but wait, isn't it, like, important that America, like, sides with Israel because aren't... Isn't, isn't Israel, like, God's chosen people? And, I mean, I tell them, hey, if, just so you know, every every now and again I say things that if you really want to get me fired, mm-hmm. you just got to tell on me for saying this, and, and this might be one of them. Like, I don't believe that Israel is the chosen people of God. I think the chosen people of God are all of those who have faith from Israel and Greece and Russia and mm-hmm. Brazil and, you know, whatever. It's like all those who have faith, those are the chosen people of God. And, and it's like, you know, I, I'll just point them to Romans yeah. 9 where it's like, look, not everyone who is a child of Abraham is truly Israel. You know, Israel is those who belong to God. And some of them are Gentiles and some of them are Jews. Those who have the faith of Abraham. But it's so ingrained into them. And I don't know if it's like their their parents or... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because some of them, it's like they know so little about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, but wait, isn't it important for America to help Israel? And I'm like, dude, mm. could you name any of the kings of Israel from the Bible? Like, And even like David, Saul, Solomon, like, could you name any of these guys? And mm. they might not know, but it's like, but but it is important that we stand with it. It's like, mm. ah, it's, it stinks that that's the one issue yeah. that is so pervasively mm-hmm. invaded our culture mm. it so. is it is an interesting thing that like when you get when you line up all the views you know you got post mill is like you got like a snickers and then you got a milky way is a mill and a three musketeers is historic pre and mac and cheese is dispensationalism. Like, <laughs> i was gonna say like a bag of skittles or it's, something it's like. so unrelated yeah it's so and i i think it's it comes solely from a reaction to uh, humanistic naturalism. Hmm. It does well, not come from a, a reading of scripture. It comes from I don't, believing that every word in scripture should be read as literally as you can. I, I don't want to be unfair because I do think there are people, like I know some smart people and and you know granted i think a lot of it was that this is how they were raised Mm -hmm. and definitely a bunch of these people could you know trounce me in a debate Mm -hmm. over this sort of stuff especially when i have not really gotten my footing underneath myself Mm -hmm. after 
having, you know, switched camps, if that's what you can say I did, but it's like, you know, I, I do think there are real, you know, godly people who really are trying to go to the text, and this is what they're, um, this is the conclusion that they're coming to, and I think that, like I said, a lot of that might have to do with preconceived notions, some mm -hmm. presuppositions that they already have built in, mm -hmm. and confirmation bias when they look at the text, and blah, 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 but it's like, man, there are some really both wise and smart people mm -hmm. who are not being duplicitous, like, they're, they're, um, trying to be humble and approaching the text, and this mm -hmm. is the conclusion that they come to, and so, like, I want to keep, I want to keep, uh, dialoguing even with those people, mm -hmm. just because I think it's, it's worth it, you know, if they're my mm -hmm. brothers, mm -hmm. it's like, if you have something to show me, show me, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I think it, it boils down to two things. It boils down to, like I was saying, like a wooden literal interpretation method. Mm -hmm. If you start with that, you're going to get to that result mm -hmm. and a rejection of biblical theology. In the traditional sense of the word, not in the sense of you're doing theology yeah. of the Bible. Yeah. In the sense that all of Scripture is about Jesus and that you find Jesus in all Scripture. Using the, the Bible the way the apostles use the Bible. So someone who is dispensational, like, uh, like a John MacArthur would say, you cannot do that. Only the apostles could do that only for the text they did it for. Everything else you have to read as if you were like a Jewish scholar. You can't go back and say, well, this points to Jesus. i got to figure out how it points to Jesus. Um, so I think those are the two main things that get you to dispensationalism. Even as, like, if you're an intelligent person, even when you use those two methods, you're going to find that same result. So I get that. I get where it comes from. John MacArthur would say, <clears throat> not to go back and, and, I guess, make new interpretations that weren't made before, prior, without, like, from outside of what the apostles wrote, I guess. Yeah, so, and I don't, I don't know 100% of that. I know he says that he's, he pushes back against a lot of, like, reading Christ in all of the Old Testament. So, for me, going back and being like, well, in Jonah 2, we have Jonah getting thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish, being in the fish for then, and then being spit back out, and the language in it is death, burial, resurrection. And Jesus says the sign of Jonah is what's given to them. Not just that he's, uh, not just the three days, but the fact that Jonah died, you know, like, quote-unquote, like, figuratively died, mm -hmm. and was resurrected again in that narrative, um, points to him. It's not just that three is the number he's pulling. He's pointing back to Jonah because Jonah was written to prophesy of Christ. But you don't think that because Jesus specifically points that out, that that's not like a, uh, almost like a free pass in that case? It's like, okay, you can't necessarily do this with every text, but mm -hmm. you, you can in this one because Jesus did it. So I think that's like, how they would see it, is like, you can point that back, but I feel like they would restrict it to just that there were three days. They wouldn't see that entire narrative as hmm. being a death, burial, and resurrection for the purpose of pointing to Jesus. So I don't, like when, I'm, when, maybe, maybe I'm not like remembering things, but like I, when you say that, like MacArthur would say that it's wrong to read Christ into these other texts. Like let's say, you know, David and Goliath or, mm -hmm. or the, the yeah, eternal David priesthood crushing, of Phineas or whatever. Like I, I don't, I haven't heard him say that or like I haven't mm -hmm. heard him maybe explicitly say that mm -hmm. um, and it seems kind of out of character because I feel like he is a man who would do that so, mm -hmm. I, so I almost want to say he did do that with um, Song of Solomon because yeah. Sam has his 
study Bible, or at least he used mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And we went, we went and read it because he would talk about this how that's being, Christ in the church. Yeah, and we were like, this is very weird. Has it really <laughs> changed since the last I've read him? Maybe. I I don't know, maybe. But well, I I feel like he doesn't very, change a lot. But this sounds very different than what I grew up reading with. He's definitely um, premillennial. Yeah, and I almost want to say he's, he's dispensational. He calls himself a leaky dispensationalist. A leaky yeah. dispensationalist. So a I, leaky. Yeah. Okay. That's I'll have to go back great. and reread because I feel like he's yeah. changed a lot since I've read him. I do find, I mean, that's its own conversation. I do find that interesting. Um, but I did. But I feel like I think that. the thing, the difference would be is him saying that that was the that was the fundamental and. In, it, that was the fundamental intention of the text, not just we can we can pull, uh, like oh this fits really well or this we can draw attention to Christ, but that the reason that that was written it was to point to Christ, that was its primary purpose. That the Old Testament was written to point to Jesus. It's about Jesus hmm. more than just general like here's a point, here's a point, but the whole thing was all 150 Psalms are pointing to Jesus all. Of the Old Testament is pointing to mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Well, but you're and you're not going to say word by word. Mm-mm. So that's why I'm kind of that's why we would need to go further because you're saying all the works do, but not all the words in the works. It's gonna there's there's more broad things that can be pulled oh. out than just like every single sentence being like this is a prophecy of. Okay. Um. So. Esther, before Esther's executed, and she gives herself up on behalf of the people, um, and she could she risks death by going into the king, and they pray and fast for three days, and after three days she goes into the king and was going to be would have been killed, but is then spared from that. There's a resurrection motif after three days, hmm. and I think that's intentionally pointing to Jesus. Hmm. Like that was its that was its purpose versus being like, oh, that's just as coincidental, or looking backwards. Because um, I feel like that's the way I see Hebrews and the apostles reading the Old Testament. More than just, here's some prophecies that did point to me, being like, well, here's the entire scope. Um, that's the way I would tend to read it. And okay. I, I could be wrong, but I'm like, I feel like, in my mind, it's, it's better to find more of Jesus than less. So it's, <laughs> it's that when he says the, the entirety of the law and the prophets were about him, not just... Uh, what some so the things was some might say, oh, how slow were you to not realize the things within the law and the prophets that pointed to me? Um, mm. That's what one might take versus saying, did you not see that all of the law and the prophets were mm. talking about mm. me? I think that's the those are the two distinctions. I would fall in the camp of the all mm. versus the did you not see the things that were within hmm. the Isaiah 53? The yeah, I, I definitely two. fit in that camp as well, where it's like mm-hmm. the whole point of everything that's in scripture is to illuminate who Jesus is mm-hmm. um, and to, to contextualize and to, mm-hmm. to foresee and to mm-hmm. uh, appreciate who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe I'll stop moving further. there. But so, so my professors in my undergrad would talk about it like, You've got to just focus on the grammatical historical context of the Old Testament and not read these things in unless there are specific points mm. where um, Jesus or the apostles pulled a verse. And you can take that verse as, but the rest mm. of it you have to. And so they end up, the, the result of that is that you end up preaching sermons that could get an amen in a synagogue or maybe even in a like, uh, Muslim mosque as much as in a church. I don't think they say amen in synagogues. You don't think? Oh, they say um, amen. Mm. They pronounce it in Hebrew. Amen. But 
Like, you know, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, no, if you I get an you. agreement and all of those, you haven't really used the, the scriptures as Christian scripture. And you get, a, you get a moralistic sermon. Right. Uh, the whole point of David and Goliath is to defeat your giants and be courageous. And that's moralism versus gospel. Hmm. Um, and how was the New Testament church using Old Testament to preach the gospel? Because we know they were. Right. So there's got to be some way that they were using it to not just preach moralism. I would say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was... was the, the method in which they, they used... The, yeah, the to spirit. uncover. Yeah. To uncover what was there. But I would what say... What was already there. Yeah, but I, w I would say that we don't have mm -hmm. that guarantee mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And so... That's fair. That's why I would say, like, a result on the other side of it is... Like a caution to yeah not it, try to like expand. I don't want to call it allegorizing, but it's almost like you're missing the point. Which I'm more of the within than all, just because mm -hmm. within the story of David and Goliath, mm -hmm. you can draw parallels or mm -hmm. there are lessons here that you'll also be mm -hmm. repeating in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But it just I guess it just kind of depends on what it is to be honest with mm -hmm. you, because there are some things where I'm like. I don't think this has anything to do with Jesus, and it's written in the context of of, of a nation that's mm -hmm. submitting itself to to God, and God mm -hmm. is like this. These are the terms, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the, uh, but that's why I was asking. You know, it's, you're not going to say the whole words, but more of a general context. So yeah, I think there might Horizons be might be yeah. another word. Of, there like, might be more agreement there than yeah. than where we're getting at now, just because we'd have to go into. Mm -hmm. But, like, mm -hmm. I don't think Song of Solomon has to do with Christ and his bride. Yeah. There, there are some very... I don't want to say... Uh, it's not... I mean, I was. I think I could correctly say sexual mm. uh, things that are yeah. being brought up. And it's not wrong. You know? But it's like... I don't think it's appropriate to then... Mm. I guess well, I, I get it if what you mean is like... Oh... You know the the poet likening her hair to a flock of goats, and the goats are the I don't know the goats that will be divided <laughs> from the sheep and the church. No, 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 yeah, 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 like that kind of stuff. But I I think I would affirm that even the Song of Solomon has to do with Christ and and even Christ and His Church, but only in so far as saying the Book of the Song of Solomon uh, describes a husband and wife mm -hmm. or a bride and groom taking joy, taking pleasure in each other. And, um, that should, that paints a picture of us so that when we think of Christ in his church, we think that the, the bride, like what it means to be a bride who's responding appropriately to your husband, your, your groom's, uh, wooing is like that you're infatuated with him. You can't wait for him to be there. Like when he's not there, you, you long for him, mm -hmm. you know, like, and we see all of those motifs kind of painted throughout Song of Solomon. So I, I don't think that it's right to, you know, try to mm -hmm. scrub it of all of its romance and its, its, mm -hmm. its physicality. But it's like, look, every marriage is just a picture mm -hmm. and a, a shadow of something more substantial, which is the relationship of Christ and his church. Even, you know, the relationship between, you know, Solomon and whichever of his wives that was, and, like, my marriage and, and yeah. you know, all these yeah. other things. So it's like, mm -hmm. it, only in that sense would I say, mm -hmm. yes, even that book points to Christ. Right, right, right. right you right. know? Right. And I think, I think a helpful thing is whether you're going to say how, like, 
originally intentioned it was Correct. or how authoritative yeah. it was. I think it's a good question for any Christian to ask when they're studying Scripture, and especially the Old Testament. You know, one of the things I was talking about recently is, you know, it makes me so uncomfortable because I don't want to think about, like, prosperity gospel thing. It makes me uncomfortable that the end of the book of Job ends with him getting a double of mm. what he had lost. Yeah. So it's like, why is that? Why does it end with this suffering guy getting back what he lost plus, like, you know, double what he had lost? And it's like, well, it almost Why can't you... God be enough? Well, my thing is, like, it makes you think. So there is this man who loses everything, suffers righteously, um, and then at the end of his sufferings that he goes through, a double portion is gifted back to him. Man, that sounds a lot like Christ who, who condescends to humanity, mm. giving up his lordship over things, suffering on earth, and then suffering even death on a cross. And now he's ex he is um, exalted to the highest of highest places on the right hand of God. That sounds more like a lesson to me than, hey, if you suffer long enough, God will give you double. It mm, sounds yeah. like a Christ motif. And so that's not like, okay, so this, you know, the Eliphaz's stuff is about this, and then this dialogue about Jesus. It's like the whole overarching theme of the book of Job seems like the suffering one who is then resurrected to a double portion. Mm. Well, and I think it also helps when you acknowledge, like, the God that shows up in the whirlwind, mm -hmm. that's Jesus. Yeah. So it points to Jesus in that sense. Like, yeah. we, we think, oh, Jesus was just hanging out, like, in a waiting room for mm -hmm. 4,000 years while God the Father was mm -hmm. the one who was flooding the earth and mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, causing this miracle mm -hmm. to happen or, or speaking with Gideon. Or, it's like, no, when it says that he's speaking to God, I would say that's, like, Christ is present. Christ is not absent mm -hmm. in the flood. Christ is not mm -hmm. absent in the exile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's he's the God that's being referred to by those names. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, so when you said that the that that it's Jesus in the whirlwind, you're saying Jesus is also in the whirlwind, not is the like Jesus is the only manifestation of God I'd, in the whirlwind. In I'd the say whirlwind. God is in the whirlwind. Okay, all all three entities. Uh, sure. Okay, but what? man, there's a lot that would have to go into that. It's like the very fact that. Like, you have one of the primary words in mm -hmm. Hebrew for God being Elohim, which is a plural word. It's like, mm -hmm. why Why would that be well, the I just, case? You know I, I, mean? I was, because when you first said it, I understood you to be saying, it's specifically it is only Jesus. Jesus that, and I was going to say, wait, 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 yeah. break that down, because that has not been any of my interpretation. Mm -hmm. So, okay, yeah. Okay, so the, what I would say might be a problem with that is, well, one, I give you an example where I could, say it points to not something necessarily unrelated but not necessarily specifically Jesus because I could say Job is a good example of, of Christians mm -hmm. you know we lose everything in this life and yet at the end of it God gives mm -hmm. us and it says double but really you can say that that's infinitely. just yeah infinitely yeah. more mm -hmm. well, just like Jesus said you lose your life and you end up saving and you gain it. it through Christ so that's, that's the way it's again well, pointing to yes but here's the thing I think that Job was written so that the people who are reading it at that time can also get instructed and, and understand mm -hmm. its truth. Sure. And what they're seeing is that God is a redemptive God. Mm -hmm. Well, now we can point to Jesus mm -hmm. and like, here's the whole point, but I don't see that that was... Like the original intent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you had mentioned that earlier, and it's like, right. I, I think even with the prophets, you know, it's like if you were to ask 
the prophets like, hey, you know, you, you prophesied this and actually the way it's going to happen is this, this, this. It's like, oh, that's not necessarily the way I would have thought that it would have mm-hmm. worked itself out. Right. But like, wow, how cool is God to have, mm-hmm. you know, come up with a a plan that even though I wrote the thing, I still yeah. didn't get it until he actuated but it. But it was still intended originally. By, by God. The, yes. Yeah. But not necessarily by the That's right. man with the pen. And, and there is there is that secondary meaning of like because you go to uh, what, Isaiah seven and the whole the virgin will mm-hmm. be with child and that specifically like two verses down has its outcome of this in that generation. Yeah, yeah. I, the 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 woman was for four sons and then Assyria no longer besieged yeah. Israel. But we know from the way that the apostles are using it is like that's not the mm-hmm. the ultimate. That is that is an intended of it, but that's not the ultimate fulfillment yeah. of it, the greater fulfillment. Um, yeah, so I think that's I think that's the thing is like the the level of what was I gonna say like uh, intentionality behind yeah. it versus just like drawing the parallels later. I like I think it's Augustine who said like the the way that I see it, I feel like it was perfectly summed up when he said that so long ago of. Um, uh, the Old Test or the the New Testament is in the old concealed. The Old Testament is in the new revealed. Mm. So they're not. So what? So the way that it, it, I would explain it is, it's not like. Uh, so let's say this, this: the room we're in is the lights are out, and you turn the lights on, and I bring a bunch of like cups and glasses in, and that's that's the thing. It's that all the stuff is there, but the lights are out, and you're sitting in it, and it's in dark. It's like it's not like the table's gone. It's not mm-hmm. like the chairs are gone. We just can't see any of it. And when you flip the light switch on, all the stuff that was originally placed there by God, was, it's still there, hasn't moved, it hasn't been added. You just now can see it. Mm. That's the way, that's the best way I would have to describe it of how right. my view of the Old Testament. Again, like what we were talking about with, uh, you, you brought up with dispensationalism, is like there are great and knowledgeable scholars that would be uncomfortable or disagree with that. Mm. Um, Calvin wrote uh, in his commentaries on the sacrifice of Isaac and gave no word to that pointing to Jesus. Mm. Um, because, you know, that, that worry of what you, the word you said earlier, the worry or fear of allegory mm. or allegorizing the text, which we don't want to get into. Like we don't want to be so mystical with it where it's like every feather is, or every like feather and door notch, you know, like the, you know, the, what is it? The, that there was a, the a tradition, like there was a scarlet thread that was tied around the goat of time and that scarlet was the blood of jesus that mm-hmm. was like we can get crazy with it obviously but i i i like typology which is kind of more of a well yeah smaller yeah a, a and between i them. i just feel like i have an allergic reaction because i grew up with so much of that like these minute details mm-hmm. being insisted upon mm-hmm. that like oh this is pointing to this specific mm-hmm. new testament doctrine or or mm-hmm. oh oh my gosh like i'm so this is kind of when when I was going through my exit of fundamentalism, mm-hmm. and um, and my parents were visiting uh, this church that I was at, and they had like a guest speaker, and uh, the guy said something about creation, and he was talking about how you know creation six days, and so you have uh, days one, two, three, four, and it was on the fourth day that the sun was created. I think so. And then like five and six, and then he and then you have you know, the day of rest. And so he was like, you know, with the Lord. So first of all, he goes to the Psalms and he pulls this thing like with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. 
Okay, so you have the first 4,000 years, and then, eh, eh, the sun, eh, the sun shows up, eh, get it? Like, the son of God came to Earth, Mm -hmm. and then there's been, like, the fifth and the 6,000 years, and so now, like... We're, you know, the, the, the end is nigh. Like, we're about to oh, hit dang. the... I haven't heard that like, before. Oh, yeah, man. Like, wow. he, and, and I just remember... Because I had thought about that. I remember thinking about that when I was 12, 13 years old. Like, reading a bunch of these Disby books. Mm-hmm. And being like, oh, what, what if this is, you know, the way that it's going to be interpreted? And so he was using that as a way of saying, like, basically, the end is upon us. Like, we're, we're already entering into this 7,000 years, and so this is going to be mm-hmm. the 1,000 years of, of mm-hmm. rest, which means the seven years of tribulation and the, the Antichrist and all that, like, that, all that's coming soon. And I just remember being so mm. embarrassed, even though there was no one around that I would have to be embarrassed around, because, like, everybody who was at that church service mm-hmm. was just swallowing this stuff hook, line, and sinker. But I was like, how am I a part of a church that is this mm-hmm. foolish with the text. Like, mm-hmm. sun is an English word that mm-hmm. sounds like and is spelled similarly to the orb in the sky, but that's that's not Hebrew, that's not it's Greek. Not a, it's in, in And I just remember Hebrew. going home, and, like, th- I was still living with my parents at this point, and I was like, how do you guys feel about the way that that sermon preached and, like, the, the way he handled the, the, the scripture and everything? And they were like, oh, I'm, you know, I thought it was good and you know they didn't have a lot to say but i was like did it not i told i asked him i was like did it not bother you that he Mm. just used this kitschy cute like first grader uh type of yeah yeah uh allegory or or whatever you know this Uh this mnemonic device to try to predict that jesus is coming so like did that not make you feel uncomfortable and I, my dad was like, yeah, that wasn't like, yeah. that wasn't necessarily my favorite part of it. But it's like, there's no, I'm uh, not looking for like out and out condemnation of the man himself, but it's like, yeah, that was dumb. That was yeah. stupid. Yeah. That was a really <laughs> foolish, foolhardy, like light, uh, prideful way yeah. to, to try to handle God's word when you're speaking to you know, uh, there, there's actually a pretty big crowd. I think it was supposed to be like some kind of revival, and so it's like, you know, when you're when you're speaking to people who are in need of, like, you could deliver them a rich, hearty meal of the gospel, mm-hmm. and instead you gave them this joke mm-hmm. of like an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like I I just remember a lot of times in my in my fundamentalism, being embarrassed because. I saw how poorly the word was being treated and, and not always specifically with dispensationalism. It was with a lot of different things. And even just like the way that specifically fundamentalists would try to combat Calvinism or would try to combat. It's like the Mm. seeds of my own Mm -hmm. destruction were already sown in my upbringing because Mm. like the stuff I was raised to believe if I have, if I'm raised with a respect, a healthy respect for the scripture itself, the things I was raised to believe are not going to be able to survive, mm. you know? So, mm. anyway, That's, like, I just, yeah. I, I I think that has helped me also to uh-huh. aspire to do better than that. Mm. Right. That is fast. I love the, the sun, sun oh, thing. man. Because the text goes on to say the sun and the moon and the luminaries. No, 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 no. Think it too hard. And then... Mm. It just blows my mind because it's knowledgeable. like, did, was yeah. he aware that the Bible was written in another language? Cause... Dude, that is not the only specific example. I remember being in college, and same, I don't, I don't just want to spend, huh? No, it's a different guy. Okay. 
But it was it was just a pattern. Yeah. And it's like uh, a guy was talking about Adam naming the animals, and he named this animal this because this, and it's like you're you guys you're using the English word yeah. for what this animal is, and then the English word for what it does, and so it makes and maybe the he I'm guessing in Hebrew there's a lot of animal names that are like that as well. Like an ant eater. Why is it called period. an ant eater? Mm. Because he's eating ants. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> done next. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a Demetri Martin joke. But uh, anyway, like, I'm guessing there's a lot of that, but it's just, I remember going to college and there were these guys that were pastors, like these professors that were also pastors that I had admired and looked up to. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to go to this college and to sit under their teaching. And then I got there and it's like, is this it? Like, is this, is this as deep as we're going guys? Like, is this as profound Mm -hmm. as, Mm -hmm. as you guys? And I, I don't want to keep just doing this but mm-hmm. last thing i remember this is when i started to get into reading calvin and yeah. early church fathers and me and me and like one or two other guys were uh reading that sort of stuff and then uh like we were reading just this really good rich theological mm-hmm. like dense stuff and we were i don't know maybe 20 21 at the time and i remember encountering one of my professors and asking him what he was reading he was like oh i'm reading this great book and it's about like the power of words and how um like if, if you speak these sorts of things like that uh not not like not like manifestation mm-hmm. but he was he and he talked about how oh i just got to this part in this book where basically this professor uh he had these glasses of water and to some of them he would say words like you know healthy or beautiful or true or whatever and then like to these other glasses of water he would say stuff like you're ugly or you're Mm -hmm. a liar or whatever and then he would freeze them and then the ice crystals in the in the cups that he had said the bad words to like they were all deformed and they weren't really symmetrical and then the ice crystals Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm over here reading calvin's institutes in my closet secretly so i don't get discovered and i like i'm getting hit with this beautiful you know just language of who god is and what he's doing and what he's and you're here talking to me about deformed ice crystals and it's like this it it just so disillusioned me yeah with the the camp that i was in i'm like if this is as if this is as good as we get like i don't i don't think i feel at home here anymore yeah you know and there were a lot of other things i probably would have stayed if i had not been Mm -hmm. pushed out the door would have stayed longer Mm. but um yeah, it I all that to say like I so value the the way of reading the text that I see um in in the circles that I run in now and just mm-hmm. a concern and uh with with handling it properly mm-hmm. and and a concern like what you guys were talking about before where it's like man, I see Jesus all over this book. Yeah. Even if it's not like specifically yeah. this thing ties to this aspect of the crucifixion or the re- it's like he's present and he's at work and he's, you know, he's beautiful and he's worthy of praise and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, um, yeah, just thanks. Cause Mm -hmm. you guys are, you know, (laughs) part of that. Mm -hmm. Hey, (laughs) neat. Neat. Um, I do have a a question, but this is rewinding quite a bit. Is that okay? (laughs) Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I think everything you said was is is important and is important to point out. Um, but it it has to do with, and it's just because I've been going back to uh, this 
specific chapter, which you'll find mm -hmm. out in a second. But um, you guys said that you don't believe that Israel is the chosen people of God, right? Well, go ahead. Right. Uh, so, but Paul says they were chosen mm -hmm. in Romans 11. So what do you, what do you believe that he's saying they were chosen that that's why I didn't say yes right away is because oh. like okay I believe they were chosen and I believe they were chosen with a specific purpose and they were chosen with the purpose of being the vessel through which God would bring the Christ child into the world mm -hmm. um, and also to be a light to the nations and mm -hmm. yada yada mm -hmm. but as far as like when I when I was saying chosen if I did use the word chosen earlier um, it's like what I meant by that is the elect like mm -hmm. those who are the elect of God right. mm -hmm. but would you guys say that, and this would go, go back to, I feel like, mm -hmm. at least in some terms, to yeah. the end times, oh, yeah. eschatologically, or I guess our theology. Because you hear Israel a lot pop up in the book mm -hmm. of Revelation that they mention Israel. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I don't really, uh, I mean, that's not really where mm -hmm. I think about Israel a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it, because Paul's really addressing the, the, the situation head on in 11 mm -hmm. so there's no like Romans yeah Romans mm -hmm. 11 I'm sorry um, there's no like um, metaphor or this illustrative mm -hmm. kind of language you have in, mm -hmm. in Revelation so he says that for the sake of the gospel your enemy but you know when it comes to the, the mm -hmm. I guess the patriarchs the mm -hmm. elders um, they are I think it says they are chosen mm-hmm Right, mm -hmm. and so it's like, well, what is what does that mean? Because mm -hmm. then he goes on to say that the, the calling and the gifts of God are irrevocable. Mm -hmm. Right, so I uh, I don't think that that's a past tense thing. Like, oh, they were chosen just for this, because the question that he's answering is, well, what about Israel? Right, mm -hmm. starting from nine and then ten mm -hmm. and eleven, and there is this idea of an elect, and there is this idea mm -hmm. of the Gentiles being grafted in. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is that. Well, Paul does not dismiss the idea that that Israel could, in fact, or would, in fact, then be regrafted in, if that makes sense. Yeah, how much, mm -hmm. if the wild branches can be grafted in, how much more so will the natural branches be grafted in? Right. Yeah. Um, as kind of a warning to the Gentiles. Yes. Of, you know, you were you were brought into this, you were grafted into this. And, if, and then he's, he goes on to say, if the natural branches uh, can be removed and you grafted in, how much easier would it be for me to take a wild branch off? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, to me, I really do think that it's saying, like, look, if anyone felt, if anyone had, uh, I don't know if right would be the, if anyone had an excuse to feel entitled, Israel kind of had an excuse to feel entitled because they had been the the vessel from, from the word go, like with Abraham, the very first uh, of that specific type of covenant. Um, but then you guys have no right to feel like you're entitled to any of this. Like, right. look, you were you were strangers. You were totally far off, and, and these other branches have been cut off, and there's room here that's been made to graft you guys on. But don't you think that, like, oh, this is my birthright, that I'm, that I'm entitled to this sort of thing? Mm -hmm. um, so to me, that sense of entitlement is kind of the point of that passage because you know if you go back even you said back to nine but even earlier than nine he talks about like you know what advantage does the jew yeah, have like chapter two. much in every way like it's, mm -hmm. it's he's barely hit the ground running it's like you're all the way back at at chapter two it's like and then he specifically says like well what advantages do they have well 
we were the ones who were given the oracles and the mm-hmm. the um, the law and all those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. They were the chosen people through whom God chose to work his rete- to be the the vessel of God's redemptive mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. Through that, not only were they given the oracles of God and a greater chance in the Old Testament of salvation, not not just a greater chance, an exponentially greater mm-hmm. chance of salvation. Like. Who would have been easier? But to just have more been... exposure to the truth of yeah. who Yahweh is. But you even know? like so in the Testament, who would it be? Would it have been easier for you know uh, someone in Athens who have never heard mm. of God to come to come to faith, or someone in Israel? Israel, mm. they had an advantage all throughout the Old Testament mm. of coming to faith in um, in Jesus and God. Uh, but not all of them did, because we know the Exodus generation, most of them fell away. Mm-hmm. You know, Hebrews talks about most of them didn't enter the rest of God. Mm-hmm. So we know that there were people in Israel that went to hell mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So we know that all of Israel is not Israel does not equal saved elect people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have that um, and then God elects them to be who the, the, the people uh, chooses them to be who the people who he uses to work through um, throughout all the Old Testament and then not only that he chooses to use the Messiah to come from their line. So mm. all of those are massive blessings. He cares for them, all this, all those, um, those things. But even from the beginning, Israel was not given promises that it would be them. Like, they were the exclusive. Right. It, mm. Like, they were the, it, what, what it was described to Abraham, you will, you and your family will be the people through whom mm. all the world is blessed. I'm going to use you as the agent of that. Not that they are the blessed. Mm. Right. They are the people through whom God is going to be blessing the world. And I think it's really important to see no matter what view you're going to take on um, Israel and the fate of Israel, what Paul is very clearly saying is there is one people of God always. Mm. Um, that's Those why they grafted in. Mm. There's one people of God, um, which is why I feel very strongly of if someone says we're going to create a messianic Jewish congreg- congregation and we're going to separate from, that is not only wrong, it's sinful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The church has to be blended mm-hmm. because there is one people of God. You know, mm. Paul confronts Peter about that and says you shouldn't separate and Peter looks at Paul and says you're right mm. like that's something that we don't go to very often it's like man he not only did Paul confront but Peter turned around and said you're absolutely right mm. um and so we have that but I think what we want to wrestle with and not just immediately dismiss which I, I think I appreciate Eric that you're kind of doing there is not immediately dismissing the fact that Paul's answering the question what of the salvation fate of the nation of Israel did all of this kind of mean nothing and he goes on to say, you know, to explain all that plan and to say, by this way, all Israel will be saved, which I think out of my deep study during my intern year, studying Romans for, for a year, out of all of that, the hardest thing for me to interpret it might have been, or at least in the top five things throughout the whole book of Romans was, what does all Israel will be saved mean? Does it mm. mean mm. all the elect of God will be saved? Does it mean, as some commentators, some very, very strong um, commentators take, uh, to mean that there will be a giant ingathering of mm. Israelites who will come to faith in Jesus at the end? Mm. Maybe. Um, what is that? That that was such a hard thing to kind of come to terms with. Because uh, it would be easy for me to say, oh, it just means all the elect people of God will be saved. Everyone that God's destined to save yeah. will be saved. It led just like other scriptures say, a numb will be lost from my hand. But then why is Paul saying that in a section where he's saying what happens to the fate and salvation of Israel, national ethnic Israel, Israel, eth- yeah. ethnic Israel. Um, Did you I, uh, come to a conclusion? No, but I do like I do like <laughs> uh, the 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 idea of one uh, one interpreter 
that this shows like it's it's wonderfully balanced in God's plan. So you have the Old Testament period where the majority of people that were being saved were ethnic Israelites. There were some Gentiles being saved during mm -hmm. that time. Like make no mistake, it wasn't just them being Ruth, saved. Rahab. Ruth, uh, Rahab, maybe even the entire city of Nineveh. Mm. Um, that's something that we can gloss over very quickly. Mm. Uh, and then Christ comes from Christ until the end of the age. Primarily, the people that are coming to faith are Gentiles. Um, and then you talk about the partially hardening of Israel. That Israel's hardened from faith. It's hard um, for them to accept that. So we have now we have Israelites are still coming to faith. There are still Jewish people who are coming to faith in Jesus, but primarily it's mostly Gentiles coming in. So you had Israel with a sprinkle of Gentiles. Now you have Gentiles with a sprinkle of Israel. And at the end, a bunch of Israelites are gathered in, and it's just beautifully balanced. That God is faithful to all of His promises um, throughout. That I, I like, but I'm not I'm not 100 certain. I, I that's where I, I'm actually at because, mm -hmm. um, like I said, the way that Paul's talking about it is, and I think if you take it all, mm -hmm. um, you'll see that because he starts off saying, like, um, if the disobedience, I guess, of Israel meant riches for the world, mm -hmm. how much more will yeah. their fullness be? Right? Yeah. So I I, I I focused in on that because when you go to that verse, we're talking about a partial hardening. Mm -hmm. It says a partial hardening has happened in Israel until the fullness of the There's Gentiles. There's a time. Yeah. yeah. But I'm looking at fullness of the Gentiles and fullness of the, of, of the Jews, of the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And I feel like whatever fullness of the Gentiles mean will be equal to whatever the fullness mm -hmm. of, of the Jews mean. But I also was wondering, like, what does a partial hardening mean? Get out of just me. the I, I, the way that I it's not it, of all of them. yeah yeah that there yeah. it's like, not like all Israel will be rejected right there, there are Paul Jews says who, I am yeah, yeah. like there, Paul <laughs> like a, and you know a fun thing fun thing a lot of the Pharisees like they're mm, painted they're yeah. painted throughout the the uh, gospel because yeah. they you know they were and there was a lot of them that were absolutely rejecting Jesus. But there was a lot that came to faith because yeah. they read. You see the that specifically in the book of Acts, yeah. right? And yeah. priests. They they right? read the scriptures the closest mm -hmm. to the way we read the scriptures. Yeah. Like, man, Sadducees would have been really tough. They reject yeah. angels. They reject the resurrection. They reject everything that isn't in Torah. Mm. Um, Brothers, it is because of the hope of the resurrection that I stand yeah. before you here today. That's a, like, what a, what a great fits. move. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to bow out of the place. But yeah. I do think one of the great things of that being just a very confusing section to mull through is that I feel like even Paul found it a little, not like confusing, but doesn't he end that section by saying, oh, the depths of the riches and mm, wisdom and yeah. all that. Who can fathom yeah. the way that he does this? Like, it's beautiful to, as, you, as you're starting to think of the, the massive salvation plan of God and how equal, and he's distributing, he's moving all these pieces together. And then Paul is writing about it I feel like he just gets so, like, lost in the weeds that he's just like, wow, who can fathom the mind of the Lord? Look at mm. look at the depths of this. And it's like, is there, is, there an, is there an interpretation of those verses that, like, if you died and you went, you know, to be with God and then that wound up being true, you'd fold your arms and be like, oh, like, God, mm. you can't do it like that. Like, <laughs> that, that doesn't fit with, like... You know, only only seven percent of scholars who read it had that mm -hmm. interpretation. It's like, no, you'll just be like, wow, mm -hmm. huh, how how amazing, merciful, gracious, like mm -hmm. intense 
are the uh, the decrees and the ways of God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's another way that it just leads us to worship. Mm-hmm. You know? mm. For some reason I thought you were raising your hand. Maybe I'll... Nope. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think uh, yep. figured it out. You got to finish good, your point. Good. I need to. <laughs> I was like, I should have got hungry Howie's. <laughs> Dude, pizza's, pizza's always, it always sounds good. You gonna go get pizza? Kind of. Pizza, pizza. I did, I did get like a gift card to Papa John's. <gasps> oh, they're certainly still open. They are. They hey, Eric, do you know what my favorite pizza place is? Uh, I'm gonna say Pizza Hut. No. Oh, uh, is it Papa... Fritos. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna full stop there. You're like, is it Papa? Is it Papa? Is it Papa? <laughs> is, is it Papa Pizza? Papa Pizza. Papa Pizza. Oh, I love Papa John's. Papa Pizza in your mouth. I don't like how much they raise their prices, but this is this all going in the podcast? It's inflation. I just realized that we're still recording. No, that's all right. He's got the skills of a wizard when it comes mm-hmm. to editing. Yeah, but I'm not editing this out. Scrolls to that I'm point. Definitely <laughs> gonna have to. Can I edit out some of the earlier can stuff? Can I pose a question? Have you nah. ever edited any of these? Or uh, has it just been posted? I feel like I've, I've heard edits. Okay. He's cut. Yeah, you've cut. Uh, I've said I was going to cut stuff. Well, that too. But I do remember specifically listening to podcasts and like it just kind of, you could tell it skipped a little bit. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was definitely an edit. It was not a bad thing. So, yeah. Probably for the best. It's probably for the best. <laughs> I gotta be careful. I got a reputation to uphold. You know what I just thought about? This was a nope. perfect ending to this. Oh, thanks. This is a perfect <laughs> ending to this podcast, like the Christmas post millennial like special of ending it with the pizza. And it, well, I was I was thinking like ending with the Book of Romans of the beautiful salvation plan of God that will come to its fullness no matter what. I was gonna say pizza, because <laughs> pizza really. It's a joining together of foods from the old world and the new world, like tomato, you know, from the old world, and mm-hmm. then you have, like, bread oh. and cheese and everything. So, like, you know, it really is, it's all about... Well, if you think about it, it's like the, the body of Christ. It's yeah. whole, and yet here are these pieces all doing their part to make yeah. the pizza. Wow. And, uh, it... It glorifies God. Shall the deep dish say to the thin crust? Because I am not a thin crust. <laughs> Those I am are not two of the different pizza. pizzas. Why have you not? Why have you rolled me this? Why way? have you rolled me thus? No, that's like Jesus talking about. Like I have other pizzas in that different are not ovens. Of this not of this <laughs> oven. No, not of, not in this oven. <laughs> wow. Hey. Yes. Well. I was really trying to go all the way to the end, just talking nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I feel not. like most of this is nonsense, but yeah. anyway, thanks. That was fun. That was fun. Love you guys. See you next year.